my friend. Hello. It has been so long. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome back to the show. My name is Fernando and this is Growed Up, the show where I talk to you or any other of my friends about what it is like to be an adult versus what it was like or what we thought it would be like when we were children. But before we go any further, please remember to subscribe, hit on the follow wherever it is that you're listening to the show subscribe and do the nice things so that you don't miss any new episode whenever it comes out guys it has been crazy busy um but i'm happy to be back you know and no i haven't necessarily neglected the show it's just that we've been busy with all the other productions that's happening here on the network and this year is such a great year for neon bloom we are doing such amazing things um we are hosting our very first uh, podcast, live podcast event. It is going to be on the 15th of October in Pretoria at Optima College for the Blind. The name of the event is Women at Work. And here you're going to have all your favorite hosts from all your favorite podcasts right here on the Neon Bloom Production Podcast Network. We have Tulim Gwebile from Black Women Business. She's going to be sharing business tips and business um advice with our audience and we're going to help empower our young women with business tips and how to be better you have myself and miss franco with the entanglement and we're going to be speaking on relationships and we're going to be tackling all uh, aspects of it whether from the perspective of being married or living with a partner cohabitating and so forth and we of course have this show growed up and Miss Bunolam Fikwe, friend to the show, she's going to be guest hosting this segment with me and we'll be speaking about self-improvement, we'll be speaking about growth, we'll be speaking about all the things that you need to equip yourself to show up and be a better woman. So we're going to get to work, guys. 15 October, Optima College, 50 rands gets you in. Just go to www.neonbloom.co.za and you're going to get all the information on how to register, where you can pay your ticket from. And um, I'm so excited about this and I cannot wait to see you guys there. And I cannot wait to share this experience. We have like what? Just under a month. Just under a month before this event happens. So, yeah. Anyways, hello, I miss you all so much and um, I'm very excited to be back. So let us get right into it. Today, I want to talk to you about childhood uh, beliefs that are holding us back. Okay, childhood beliefs that are holding us back that I think we should try and uh, mitigate and see if we are trying to install some sense of moral some sense of value or principle into our own children let's try and reevaluate these things you know that uh, we were taught as children's okay <coughs> you're already i'm coughing you know why because i'm not used to talking to myself anymore i'm not used to talking for so long but it's all right man um let me just do this because, you know, guys, I'm an adult now, so I deal with scripts and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so anyways, 
Point number one, we are going to talk about childhood beliefs that are holding you back. This is not written down, but I'm going to put this down as point number one because it just hit me, okay? Motivation and passion are childhood beliefs that I think are holding us back. This one I'm going to speak off just from the top of my head because I didn't jot this down, um, but it's I, I'm thinking now. One of my biggest challenge personally, personally, and it's one of the biggest things that I'm battling with professionally as a businesswoman, you know, with running my business, with hosting my podcast and producing the other podcasts that I do as a mom um, that's homeschooling their child, as a wife, um, and for myself, just as Fernando wanting to be fit because I love the idea of being fit. I love the idea of being able to lift weights, you know, um, of being stronger. I like seeing my body improve. I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder, not, not even close, but just what I'm able to do, how I can stretch my ability, you know, and, um, <clears throat> as a performer, as a newly, I mean, at this point, I might consider myself an extremely amateur engineer, but it is what I am because these are the things that I do. and. You know, speaking now and just pointing everything out that I have to do. And there's so many other things that I want to do. I have a lot on my plate. And you know what? I am not always motivated to do any of it. If I'm going to be honest with you, I'm probably motivated to do anything for a quarter of the year. The rest of the year, I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the discipline. I don't have the willpower to do these things. And one thing that always happens is I tend to find myself in a whole um, and just questioning myself in terms of like, am I worthy of these things that I say I am? You know, am I worthy of being a homeschooling mom? Because I'm never motivated. You know, I'm not always motivated. Let me not say never, but I'm not always motivated or in the mood to sit with my son and help him improve. You know, am I worthy of being labeled as a business owner, as an entrepreneur? Because I hardly feel the motivation to get up every day and do the admin and do all the business proposals that I have to do and do all the tax uh, checks that I need to do and make sure that I'm looking for other opportunities to improve and to grow my business. I don't have the motivation or even the passion sometimes to do all these things. You know, as a wife, those things that you want to do for your husband, you know, showing up and being more loving, being more caring, more uh present, you know, more sympathetic to what they're going through. I'm not always motivated to do that. Even to work out, I will work out maybe for three months back to back and I'll feel like, yeah, you know, I've got the world and I own this, but then I'm not, then I just don't care to do it. And that's honestly something that I've been struggling with. Um, for it's not even lately, I'll say lately because yes, you know, um, I've kind of hit that brick wall in the year that I usually do where I feel like, oh my God, I, I, I just don't feel like anything and I'm not motivated to do anything. And I don't, am I really passionate about these things that I say that I love? And because if I was, I'd probably be more hungry. I'd probably be more willing to do it. And I just don't do them. I just don't give a shit to do them. You know, um, with Bunolo, even we speak so much on the phone about this and we try so many things 
tricks and tips on how to do better, how to be more motivated, and it just doesn't work. And one thing that I remember I tapped into in my, in my you know what, I'm going to say this, and everybody has gone through this, I think, at least if you're now 35, my age, oh, no, girl, I'm not 35 yet. I'm not even 34 yet. I'm still 33. Let me rock my age, girl. Yo, I love aging myself. <laughs> but at 33, or I'll even say anywhere between your 30s and your 40s, you've kind of gone through that phase of the self-development stage. You've kind of re you've kind of gone through the self-improvement stage where you want to do better. You want to be uh, more successful. You want to make more money. You want to be just more healthy and all of that. I think for me, that journey began in 2017. And that's when I was drowning in, in uh, Tony Roberts' content in John Rowan content. I was drowning in self-development and self-improvement ideas and concepts. And um, I'm going to word it like this, just to kind of contextualize it. I bumped into the concept of discipline. So why I say that I'm wording it like this and to contextualize it or whatever, I've always only understood motivation, which is the will to want to do something. I never understood the concept of discipline. Discipline, to be very honest with you, especially as a kid, you think of discipline as being corrected, right? If you're doing something wrong, then you are disciplined. If you do something wrong, then you either get a hiding or you get grounded or you get a yelling at or something. Those are ideas that I grew up understanding discipline to be. But discipline is the, the, it is that. It is actually still correcting something that is wrong, right? But in this context, it's breaking habits that are not useful and creating new habits that are useful. And I think discipline falls in here because breaking a bad habit is very hard and building a new good habit is very hard, right? So if you're used to, Let's say every morning you wake up, you grab your phone and you scroll through social media. That's a habit that you've built to suddenly start waking up and saying, I'm going to wake up and just make up my bed and leave my room. That habit is so hard to, 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 to fall into because you're so used to doing the bad thing. So breaking the bad thing basically equates in you... Um, having a hard time in beginning the new, the, the, the good thing, right? So that's what I understand now discipline to be. It's that correction. It's still a corrective thing, but it's it, it feels torturous, just kind of like if you're to be grounded. It feels like torture. It feels endless. It feels just so, it's so tormenting to the human brain, you know, that you just feel like it's easier to just re go back and not, and do the, the, the bad thing. So discipline, I learned during my self-development journey, um, the beginning thereof, right? And at that time, um, the idea was, you know, the 5 a.m. club, you wake up early, you get everything out of the way when the sun is still down and everybody is, is, is still asleep, you're the first one up. And it kind of fell into that whole hustle culture with, um, you know, um, if you are sleeping for eight hours, then you're missing out on money and all of that stuff. So I really fell victim to that. And thinking in, in, in retrospect right, th right now, 
I would say that in terms of, you know, maybe it's self-discipline and developing a healthy routine, I was able to do that easily then because at that time, my son was still going to school. My husband was going to work. This is pre-COVID, right? Oh my God, guys, pre-COVID. Can you believe it? This is actually a term we are using now. This is before COVID, which meant I had to be up at 5 a.m. anyways because I had to prepare lunches for my boys. So the only difference there was once they leave the house, I don't get to go back into bed. What am I going to do? How am I going to occupy myself? And I started developing as a routine. I used to follow this woman um, <clears throat> on YouTube. I miss her so much. She stopped doing YouTube videos. Uh, how Jen does it. But I think her channel is still up there if you want to go check it out. Um, and she did a lot of cleaning motivation and stuff. So that tapped into my housewife space, which is also something that I hated calling myself the housewife. It's something that even now I think I cringe, but I'm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I started tapping into that responsibility, right, of making sure that my home was clean and that when my boys got home, it was at least a pleasant and, and, and clean space for them to come home to from a hard day of work. So it was that thing, you, you, you do the cleaning and then now you start taking care of yourself because now I've taken care of the home. Now I take care of myself, then I'll go for my walk and I'll exercise and so forth. And after that, because I've now taken care of myself, now I need to start trying to take care of the business, right? But what happened was I just fell into this routine, but it wasn't productive in that I didn't have any clear goals. I didn't have any clear direction or any clear... Anything that I was working towards, I was just doing these things for the sake of now I'm just building discipline, but there was no, there was no end goal. And I think that's why I would say I fell out of that disciplined routine and obviously COVID happened. Then what was the point for me to be up at 5 a.m. to do what, you know, um, everybody's home. And at that time we couldn't even leave the house and so forth. So all of that work that I did between 2017 and 2018 it just fell flat with COVID. And it's been my journey now to kind of fall back into finding that discipline, to finding that ability to say, yo, I don't feel like it. I feel like it. I have to do it and just get up and do it, you know? So I'll be honest in saying that the only downfall with my discipline era was that I was disciplined enough to stick to my calendar, to stick to my schedule and do the things that I set out to do. But I wasn't very clear and intentional in how I was spending my time, right? I'll just be like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This is what I do. But for example, I'm checking my emails. What emails am I checking? What does that even mean, right? What am I doing actively to maybe grow my business? And, and I wish I understood that then, that these are the opportunities to have intention within my discipline. You're not just disciplined just because. So even with your working out, have goals because I had no gains. My gains began in 2020 when I started working out at home with my husband and he helped me kind of understand what gains are muscle memory, uh, mind, muscle connection and all of that. Then I started working out with intention and that's when I saw more results. So be intentional about your things. I think that's the best way to kind of package this whole point, right? Of motivation. Yeah, motivation is good. And when you have it, obviously ride, ride that wave. But when that wave fades, right, you got to have built 
a disciplined routine that says to you that at this time, this is what I'm doing. But when you're doing that thing, there needs to be intention behind it, right? You need to know why you are working out. You're not just working out just because. Are you trying to lose weight? How much weight are you trying to lose? Are you trying to maybe drop or increase uh clothing sizes and all of that stuff, right? Are you trying to eat healthier? All of that. Be intentional and be goal-driven. It doesn't have to be short-term. For me, my fitness goal, my health goal is very long-term, right? So it means that when I am 85, when I'm 70, uh, even 70s, that's young. When I'm in my 90s, yes, I'm going to be a 90-year-old or 100-year-old. I want to be fit. I want to be able to play. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to move my body i don't want to be bedridden so everything that i'm doing today the intention is is greater than my summer body okay so know why you are doing certain things and how and and, and the intention behind it and then build a disciplined routine around your little sectors in life business whatever it is that you have our lives are different right i'm a housewife i'm a stay-at-home mom i'm a homeschooling mom I am a businesswoman. I run my own production company. I, you know, I, I, um, I don't know what else I do, but I do all these things. But this is all little segments of my life that I had to realize that are not similar to other women. Other women have other things. Other women can go to work. Other women have jobs and blah, blah, blah. I don't have that. So my routine and your routine are not going to be the same. And that's why I don't want to put it in your head that you have to do things the way that I do it. But one thing that we can have in common is let's try to be more disciplined. Let's have intention behind our discipline. And also when we are motivated, let's ride that motivation uh, wave, right? So that is my number one. It was actually more serious than what I actually have jotted down here because this this y'all i have this thing and i did it like weeks ago and it's just so messy but let's go with it because you know that's how fernando does it messy so my number two sharing is caring that's another childhood concept that i think is uh dangerous why because we always feel like if you're not a giving person that you're a flawed human being right that if you're not giving of your time not giving of your resources that there's something wrong with you and because sharing is caring it means that if you don't share you don't care that is not fact sharing is a choice i you do it if you want to i think it's good to share but certain certain boundaries need to be set in terms of what are you sharing, how are you sharing, when are you sharing, and all of that, right? So I think we need to kind of try and break down what does sharing mean? I think sharing, the way that I understood it growing up, it means that if I have something, I need to break it in pieces and make sure that everybody that's around me has that, has access to what I have, right? And that means that I care about them in that if I'm eating a piece of bread, and my friend doesn't have bread, then I can break my bread into pieces and share that with my friend. Now that I have food, they have food, I care about them, right? That is great. I think in that base concept, yes, you share, you share, that's good. But you don't have to share. And not sharing doesn't mean that you don't care. Because sometimes, right, there's a very, very, very fine line between you sharing and you um how can i put it and 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 kind of opening 
the door for people to take advantage of you by virtue of if you don't share, you don't care. So you feel guilty about not giving certain aspects of yourself because you feel like, oh my God, my friend asked me for something and I wasn't able to give it to them. And you feel guilty because in your mind that translates to, I don't care about my friend versus it's not that I don't care about my friend. I don't have the capacity right now to help them. Or even if you do have the capacity right now to help them, maybe sharing would not benefit them. That's also a thing. Sometimes people want something from you all the time. And because you keep sharing, you keep giving, they keep coming and they don't grow. They don't learn to fish, right? Because you catch the fish and you just give them the other fish. But if you one day say, nah, fam, I'm not going to give you fish, you know, um, your friend learns to fish. I'm going to tell you a very personal story. And this one, I, I we touched on with Miss Unique on the Mummies in the Dark podcast that we do every Friday. So we touched on a previous episode or the one before that about um, boundaries that we had to learn to share, uh, to set, right? With, 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 uh, with friends and so forth. And um, me and Miss Unique, we've been in high school since, you know, we were in high school together. We were in primary and so forth. So we've been friends for many, many years. So there's many points in our friendship that could have either made us or it could have broken us, right? But because of the intention behind my friendship and what I wanted from her, I allowed certain moments to be learning moments and not... um fighting moments. So I'm going to be very even like uh, direct, right? I remember we she was very studious. You know, Miss Unique is very studious, still is. She's very responsible in that if we need to do something, she does it. You know, in school, she was the best notes taker ever. You know, the teacher would talk, she's the one taking notes, taking notes. And what would happen? I would always ask her for her notes. I'd say, hey, can I please, you know, can I borrow your notes? I just want to copy some stuff. And she would always give them. She would always give them, right? And I relied on that, right? Because I looked at it as, oh, she's my friend. She's got my back, you know? So she's going to do the thing. And um, all I need to do is ask. Because if I was doing it, I would have also done it for her, right? So... I kind of fell into that cycle with her where she would do the work and I would just ask for it and she'd get it. I remember distinctively the day I said, hey friend, can I, can I use your notes, right? And this is, I think, a day or two before the test. And she said, no. And I was like, ah, oh, really? It's like, yeah. I'm like, no, but for real, like, can I please, can I please have your notes? And she's like, I'm not joking. No. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know? And that was the perfect opportunity for me to read that as she doesn't give a shit about me. I thought she was my friend. As my friend, she's supposed to have my back. But I took my L, right? I went back to my books. I did the work. And um, Probably not then, but at some point later in the future with um, speaking about other instances in her life where she felt she, f she, she was being taken advantage of, she voiced. We didn't, I don't think we've ever really addressed 
this specific scenario, but I know it from her venting to me with other people, how she's always felt that people take advantage of her. People are not willing to put in their work and do things for themselves because they know that she will do the work and then people just benefit from that. And I understood that's what I was doing. I'm her friend, mind you, right? And I was taking advantage of my friend. I wasn't looking at it that way, but the reality is I was taking advantage of her. And I, I'm happy that this is me patting myself in the back. I understood our friendship. I understood the dynamic. She never had any hard feelings towards me, you know, and I knew that that wasn't anything spiteful. It was just her saying, fuck it. No. Right. But I love that I was mature enough to take my L, do my part and stick around long enough to learn that had she not done that, I probably would have been even lazier than what I am right now to come in and show up and do my thing, right? So in her not sharing her efforts, she made me a better person. And it's so cliche, it's so cheesy. It's a cheesy example, but I really love the story a lot because it's a very eye-opening moment for me in life where I was like, whoa, what I'm doing is taking advantage of someone. That's my retrospection abilities, might have even began then. So her saying no to me and denying me sharingness, right, was the most caring thing she had done for me. I, I would say it, it, ever. Well, no, not ever. She's done so much more for me. <laughs> but it was it was just such a beautiful thing. Um, and that's why I like talking about this and recognizing my part in that I wasn't being a good friend because I took advantage of the fact that my friend cares about me, therefore she's going to share. So sharing is not caring. There needs to be boundaries. There needs to be limits. And it's okay to say no if you feel like someone is taking advantage of you. And if that person really cares for you and is your friend, they will understand that at some point you have to stand up and take care of yourself, right? We are not talking about walking by the street and seeing a homeless person and not sharing with them. That's something completely different to somebody who's completely capable and in a, situ in a position of privilege in which they can do the work the same way that you can do and share, right? And then you don't have to. You don't have to share with anyone. If they can do it, then let them do it. You don't have to. If you want to, great. But if you feel like now it's a, it's a good time to set a boundary, set that boundary. And anyone who's mature and your friend and cares for you will understand exactly what is happening, right? So that is um, myth number two, I think, or, or, or childhood belief that is holding you back. Sharing is caring, all right? Um Number three is studying, you know, having your degree and stuff. I'm even going to be so brief with this because I think that we all have been through this, especially as young black people in Africa, especially as Africans. Education is the biggest, biggest myth, I think. Um, and I'm speaking specifically uh, with regards to tertiary education. I have an honors degree in music, right, in, 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 in vocal performance. And... Um, when I was in Mozambique, after I graduated, I went back home for a year because of my documentation situation and I wasn't married at the time. So by law, I had no reason to be here in South Africa. The opportunities in Mozambique for me to be very honest with you and probably still today 
are there. They do value education. You know, I think I could walk there with my degree and get a qualifying job that merits my my degree. But living in South Africa, I have never been hired, not once. Not once. Since 2016, I've never been hired for my qualification. Understand what I'm saying? I have a degree in music. I've never been hired for my music qualification. I've applied for jobs countless times, for singing teachers and whatnot, whatnot. I've never been hired. And um, one of the things that was extremely demoralizing for me is because I'm thinking, you know what, here I am, this girl who, you know, has a visual impairment. And what more attractive a thing could it be? Young black woman, visually impaired, educated, you know, who wouldn't want to hire me because I'm capable of doing the job. I mean, if I have a degree, hell, I can do anything, right? But that is that self-belief. That was that belief that was imposed from into me. Look, I could have finished studying my bachelor's. I didn't need to go all the way to my honors, but I thought, let me go all the way to my honors because that's going to open the market even more for me. It didn't, you know, it didn't. And um, I'm not sour about it. It's just that, there's many other factors probably that came into play. I am a foreigner anyways in this country. Um, I do have a visual impairment and I know that that is one of the things that for as much as people try not to, it is a big factor into why I wasn't hired. And I know this because I have other qualified friends who suffer from this, uh, you know, from visual impairment and so forth. And no one has been hired for music. Not one of my friends have been hired who have visual impairments for music, you know. But in that same breath, very few people who are qualified, who have degrees, who are engineers and stuff. I mean, this is so true here in South Africa where you go to, you know, wherever you drive, you find somebody at the rope, at the, you know, at the traffic lights with a sign saying, I have a G an engineer's degree and I don't have a job. Here's my CV. People are applying for work as if they were begging for money. You know what I mean? And um, where I find that people are more successful is when they, let's say, cool, we get our matric, we all agree we need our grade 12, right? But then you're like, what business can I start? How can I monetize my skills? And what skills can I acquire that are fast skills and useful skills that I can monetize? And um, those are more successful than the ones who have spent time with academics. And that's a sad reality because... I mean, for people who have been denied education for so many years, people have been denied these opportunities for so many years, like generations and generations of black people have been denied these opportunities. For us to now be practically in the same position where you either have to settle or you have to become an entrepreneur, it's ridiculous to me, you know? And it just made me see that, you know what, for as much as, yes, it's great. I think studying is great. You learn a lot. It makes you a different person. I, I, I do have to say that, that that's, um, but it's because of just that academic side, right? It's not that you are, you're a better person than those who, who don't, but academically you're more versed. You understand things better. You understand context easier because you have that academic experience, right? But, um, that's it at this point. Like there really isn't anything more to that because what else is there? If you're not going to get hired, if you're not going to get an opportunity in the field that you 
are passionate about, in the field that you've invested money and time in, what is the point, right? So I feel like, um, uh, what you call it, education is one of those things where, I'll say it's subjective. Obviously, if you're a doctor, go to school. You know, if you're going to be a lawyer, go to school. They, they are those, 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 those fields that definitely need you to be academically sound. But there's others where I'll, I'll still say if you're a good musician, if you really are a good musician and you want to be a performer or whatever, don't bother. I say YouTube has more than enough information out there for you. You learn way more with practice. You learn way more with engaging with other musicians. I wouldn't encourage anyone to study arts. I wouldn't. And this is from my perspective. I could be wrong. Uh, but um, that's kind of where, 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 my, where my stance is with education. I think it is... Ooh, I moved away a bit. Ah! I think it is one of those unfortunate uh, things that I guess we kind of need to discuss it a little bit more, you know, but it is a childhood myth. I think that we need to readjust. Education is not everything. You know, education is a myth. Um, childhood belief number four that I think we need to get rid of is friendships. But I think I want to adjust this a little bit. I want to talk more about best friend. Best friends. I think it serves its purpose when you're a kid. It serves its purpose in that... <clears throat> Let me get my water. Yo, guys, I've been speaking so much today. You. And it's because... Let me just go on a small tangent here. This load shedding, guys, it's load shedding... Stage six right now. What time is it even? I need to even rush. Okay. It's load shedding stage six. I have like four hour increments to get anything done that requires electricity. And it's so irritating. So today was kind of like in recording. I'm just talking. I'm just talking. And you know what? I'm going. Load shedding shall not prosper. Anyways, childhood belief number four. Best friend, I think, like I was saying, it serves its purpose when you're a kid. When you're a child, I think children are the meanest people ever. Children are so evil. Um, like children in general, as a community, uh, the childhood community is hardcore. I think they are just brutal, okay? So it is important as a kid uh, to have a best friend because that is your safe child. <laughs> it's the safe child. It's that one that has your back that is going to defend you. That's going to protect you. So it's important for children to have best friends when they're children, because an adult cannot defend a child against a child. Children should defend themselves against each other. All right. Um, and, uh, Oh, crap. And there's another fire, guys. There's so many field fires going on here. And, like, there's just smoke. Okay. Anyways, children should protect themselves against or defend themselves against each other. Adults don't get involved in children's business unless it's severe. And, I mean, as an adult, you know when to get involved, right? Um. So, yes, as a child, it's very important that you have a BFF, somebody that has your back, somebody whose back you have, you know, so that when other 
children nemesis or menaces come and they try to um ruin your day you have your 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 support buddy who's going to come and defend you right but as adults come on people grow up we don't need best friends all right we don't need best friends as adults we need quality friends i think this idea that you know Every person that you meet as an adult, oh, it's my friend. No, they're not your friend. They're your acquaintances. And if they don't, if they don't serve you, they gotta go. Honestly, and I mean this because I feel like adult relationships are very, very, very much transactional. It doesn't have to be financially so. You know, money doesn't have to be involved, but they're transactional one way or another. Whether it's emotional, whether it's service-wise, whether it is. Whatever it is, right? Like in maybe you meet somebody who is the CEO of I don't know, COO of Apple, right? And you take a liking to them, they take a liking to you. That person is not your friend. You guys are acquaintances. The reason why maybe they'll attach themselves to you is because they see something that they can gain from you. You can gain something from them too. I mean, this is the COO of Apple, right? But then if he's the COO of Apple and you are I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, what worlds don't match. But if there's nothing this guy can give to you, why why are you sticking around? What are you adding people into your circle for? So much drama, guys. Like, I think we need to be realistic about um, friendships. I'm not saying it's impossible for you to make friendships at this age. I've made friends, you know. Um, I feel like I make a new adult friend every second year. Every two years since... Um, I've become an adult. Don't ask me when that was. But every two years at the most, I will make a new friend that I'll say, this is my friend. Um, everybody else in between, you know, they're not my friends. I know, And they know who, they know that they're my friends. These ones that are my friends, they know they're my friends. The other ones, they don't even understand what's going on, right? Um, so I think it's okay if some relations are transactional, that you want to get something out of them. I mean, I've been used. You use people. You know, generally, I don't use people. Um, but that's kind of like a surface level thing, right? But there are those people that are such great listeners. So I use them for their ear because I want to call them and like, hey, friend, you know what? I'm having such a hard day. I use her for her shoulder to lean on, right? And vice versa. So if we can recognize, what am I getting out of this person? Is this person really benefiting me? Are they improving me one way or another? Okay, maybe they can fall under the friend category. But other than that, nah, man, these are acquaintances, okay? These are associates. Um, I think it's very important for you to know that distinction because then you can focus on building a quality network networking is what we should be worrying about, not friendships, networking. And I say that because when you network, somebody that is a member of your network, they understand their position in your life. You understand your position in their life. And it's not awkward when you need something from that person. You're like, yo, network, I need this. They'll be like, in sure. Because why? We're not pretending to be friends. We know what this whole thing is, right? You go, hey, yo, network, I need this. Network will be like, sure, I don't know how to do it, but I know somebody who can do it. Sure, I'll hook you up. Network comes to you. Sure, network, I need so, so, so. You'll be like, ah, don't worry, network, I got you, right? But we're not every day, hi, how are you? How was your day? Blah, blah, blah. Because you understand your position. 
in this person's life. And it's simple. You're not offended when they ghost you because you're not expecting anything from them because you know your place, right? So that is um, point number four about childhood beliefs that, you know, we need to kind of mitigate. Maybe this is not so much like a childhood belief, but best friends and friendships, guys, uh, you need to start knowing your difference and you need to start focusing on your network. Oh, here's a piece of advice. And I think that will go hand in hand with the previous one. Number three, about uh, education. I heard somewhere, and I just repeat this, repeat this, I regurgitated, and I know it's not new for most people, but it was very fascinating to me. And I wish I knew this when I went to college. If you are going to go the education route, like I said, I'm not discouraging it. That is where you need to focus hardcore on your network. If anything, in university, that's where your network is. Because you are all in the same age, you're all peers. You guys are all studying different things. These friends are like, you know, that's part of your network. When you leave there, you're going into different facets of life. And this is where you have access to different uh, sectors, you know in different industries if you have a friend who studied agriculture and you're the guy that studied it somebody comes to you yo i need something in agriculture you know someone okay so university i would say let us focus on building quality networks and you get that in university you know so that is number that was number four number five stranger danger <laughs> This is so stupid. I'm going to skip this. But I'll tell you what I was writing here. I was saying this is why you are single. <laughs> stranger, stranger is where you meet your future partner. But I think like we shouldn't be so afraid to, inter to engage with new people. You know, especially if you're looking for someone. But I think I'm not the person to talk to you about this because I'm not single. I've never really had to mingle. I've never really had to go into circles with people and try to build relationships and date and so forth. But I feel like try not to be so apprehensive of strangers. Obviously be suspicious because everybody is. Hmm. But keep an open mind. You know, you never know what might come out. Ooh. Something touched me and I don't like it because I can't see what it was. But anyways, you never know what might come out of there, you know. Um, beauty is on the inside, guys. <sighs> Inner beauty is a myth. I say this all the time and it's very important for you to understand why I say inner beauty is a myth. I say inner beauty is a myth because... Realistically speaking, guys, every day of our lives, we make judgment based on what we see at face value. We don't judge someone based on what's on the inside. We judge anyone. We decide whether we are going to interact with that person based on what we see on the outside. And that's a fact. That is a fact. You don't talk to somebody who seems sketchy. You don't give that person your time of day. Think about it. How many people do you, do you encounter on a daily basis? And a random person comes up to you and you're like, nope, I am not giving you my time of day. And then another random person comes up to you and you're like, yeah, I will give you my time of day. What do you think you use to make that judgment, to make that distinction that this person is worth my time and that is not? 
strangers. And it's because you, I don't know why I did that. Why did I say because? That was so random. <laughs> why did I say because? <laughs> but it's because subconsciously you have made a judgment based on what you saw. You judged that person and you made a decision on whether or not you're going to give them the time of day. Is that inner beauty or no? It is no. It is no. Because you see somebody at face value and you decide whether you're going to give them the, the light of day. So inner beauty is not as important as people are trying to make it seem like, oh, I only care about what's on the inside. You are lying. You care about what's on the outside because the only way for you to get on what's on the inside is to go through what's on the outside. You need to scratch through the surfaces. You need to scratch through the mask because, again, what I'm presenting to you at the end of the day, guys, every day that we walk out of this door, we are selling an image. We are salespeople. Inevitably so, right? We decide how we want to present ourselves to the world. People don't know who we are on the inside only after they peel through these layers. Even after, you know, the first encounter, you don't still know how beautiful this person is on the inside. You have to be with that person over and over and over again. You have to see them fuck up. You have to see them show up. You have to see them be late. You have to see them be angry. You have to see them be happy. Then you know, what type of a person is this? But up until then, my friend, up until six months at least, you ain't not seen anything. And most likely, you're sticking around because of what they present to you externally, what they sell to you externally. Inner beauty is a myth. I don't care. I'll fight this any day, anytime, everywhere. Inner beauty is a myth. So forget that. Don't come here to me. Hey, hey, it's what was on the outside. It's what's on the inside. No. It's what on the outside. We all judge the book by its cover. That's a fact. And you should. That's how we protect ourselves from sketchiness. You should. Why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you judge someone from what you see? You should. And please continue. Don't feel bad. You're a human. That's what you do. How do you think a dog knows not to walk on the lion's path? Or a gazelle? I don't know when a dog and a lion will meet. But when will a gazelle be like it? Oh, there's a lion. You know what? Maybe he's not going to eat me. Maybe that lion is a vegetarian. Maybe he's a vegan. You know what I'm going to do? I am just going to parade my booty in front of this lion because I'm very sure that on the inside, this lion is a vegan. Where do you see that? The gazelle sees like, mm, that lion, that's a lion. I don't care what anybody says, that is a lion. That's how you protect yourself from scammers because as soon as somebody opens their mouth, you're like, and you're a liar, bye. That's not inner beauty. Get out of here with that. Anyways, number seven. No, it's number eight. Nah? Yes, number eight. Guys, I was telling you that children are the meanest people alive. Next to children, a very close second are girls. Girls are mean. Sugar, spice, and everything nice is a lie. Can we recognize women for their deviousnessness and their and their slightnessnessnessness? And I'm not trying to bring her down syndrome or anything like that, right? I'm not trying to encourage that. I'm just trying to bring awareness to it. And I'm gonna do a whole episode on this bring her down syndrome because it's a huge thing within us, Basadi. 
We are very, very sly. And I don't like it. I don't like it because tomorrow, when the world is hard, you want to be like, ah, oh, patriarchy, mwah. But you are the most ruthless of genders. Us women, we are very ruthless. And if we could redirect, I swear to God, if we could redirect this poison the way men do with their anger, if we could take this poison and be like, wait, king, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to show up every day and turn this into something positive. I swear to God, we could be ruling this world. But no, we are too busy pulling each other down. We are too busy calling someone else out for the tiniest of things. And more than anything, more than anyone, women, we understand how fragile our egos are. I said egos. I didn't speak about feelings. I said egos. We have very fragile egos. Say anything, anything significantly mean to a girl. We are broken. We can't joke with each other the way men do. Our egos are way more fragile than those of men. We know that more than anything, but we still choose to bring each other down. It's disgusting that we do that. It really is. It angers me every time that I find myself in a situation where I'm with women and quality women and women that are very capable of, of working with me or working with other women. Let me not even say with me, but we're very capable of doing things, but we get stagnant. Why? Because we don't want to bring each other up. We want to pull each other down. We are so sly. We see sugar, spice and everything nice is a myth and we need to recognize it. We need to recognize it. We need to address it. And I'm speaking with this much anger because I feel like we have so much potential as a gender. We have so much potential. We cry so much for fe feminism. We cry so much for equal rights, but we, we just waste it away. We waste it. Because we are here gossiping about one another. We are talking about how crappy someone's clothes is. We are talking about how crappy someone's hair is instead of focusing on what this woman brings to the table. We can't help each other. And one thing that I have to say and why I'm so passionate about this is because I'm so blessed, me personally. And blessing is not a word that I use lightly. I, all the women in my life, all of them, they, 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 there's not one that I go to and I'm like, hey, I need help with this and they don't help me. I'm very lucky in that. I'm very liking that. And I know that I am where I am today because of the women in my life. Not just my mom, not my mother-in-law, not just family. I'm talking about my friends, the women that I've chosen to keep in my circle, the women that are part of my network, are women that are empowering me. And I'm here because of them. Now, imagine if we consistently did that for one another. Imagine, guys. Why are we like this? Eh? Why are we like this? We need to do better, ladies. We need to do better. And one day I'm going to go deeper into this because I feel like we are falling behind. We are wasting away. We are wasting away for no reason. No reason at all. This is why we don't have a female president, if you want to know. This is why the women in power are not quality women. Because we just pull each other down. And all the Scum just go up. Scum always goes up. It always floats up. Scum is what gets scooped out. You know when you are trying to get scum out of bones or whatever. It's the scum that goes up. And they get scooped up because they are up there. And everybody else that's clean stays down.
So please, ladies, if it's sugar, spice and everything nice, let us try and live by that. Okay? Let us do better. Huh? Let's do better. Let us not... Um, let's not perpetuate this thing. It's so disgusting. It's so disheartening because I feel like... Yo... We have so much. We give birth for crying out loud. Imagine what more we can do. We produce babies. The whole human species is single-handedly dependent on our gender. The entire human species is single-handedly dependent on women. We produce, we produce humans. They don't come from anywhere else other than this. So, come on guys. Let, let us acknowledge our potential and let's do better. Okay? Uh, um, I'm just trying to see here. I think that... Let me just see my time. Yeah, you know what, guys? I, I, I would continue, but I'm very skeptical about load shedding. But I think just run through... Um, it's okay to be considerate. This is point number nine. It's okay to be considerate about others, but also remember that you can do whatever you want. As long as you're willing to accept the consequences of what you want to do, you know, do it. But you got to accept the consequences. Ne? So whatever you want to do, you can do it, my friend. You can do it, anything. But it's important for you to understand the consequences and the benefits of what you're going to do. Be considered. You don't have to be considered. Show up. Don't show up. Who cares? You're a grown-up. I can do whatever I want. And lastly, um, number nine. Oh, that was the last one. Oh, no. Number 10. Last belief. Number 10. If you work hard, you will succeed. Guys. This is true to an extent, but never forget about luck, luck factor. And all the things that I spoke about there above, right? Luck factor, you need to have quality network. You need to be at the right place and you need to be prepared, guys. It's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. So work hard, work hard. Yes, because by the time your opportunity shows up, you're going to be ready, but not everybody gets successful. Not everybody is successful, you know. And this has also a lot to do with this thing of women wanting men. You know, these young girls who want men that are rich, that are whatnot, whatnot. Not everybody's going to make it. Even when, I remember even my lecturer said this um, in varsity. Um, and mind you, we are not even a lot in, in our class. And he said, the reality is, and I think this was said to him as well when he was studying music, that not everybody, most of us want to be performers, but in this class, not everybody's going to be famous. Maybe one out of all of you is. And to my recollection, I don't know anyone that is like super famous um, as an artist that I went to school with, except one person in my entire school career, you know. But other than that, no. And that's the reality of it, guys. Success is very subjective for one. And I think I'm going to go a whole, a whole episode on what success is and how we need to be careful with this thing. It's very subjective. 
And number two, not everybody in terms of the general consensus, riches and fame and all of that stuff, not everybody's going to get there. Not everybody's a Bill Gates or an Elon Musk. The only reason we can name those people is because not all of us are there. We can't name the rest of the world because the rest of us are broke. We are all the same, right? So guys, um, I'm going to wrap up here because six o'clock is load shedding and yo, I don't want to be cut. <laughs> in this episode but anyways thank you so much guys for tuning in and remember to subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast and we have our event on the 15th of october women at work live podcast event at optima college 50 runs gets you in for more information go to www.neonbloom.co.za and if you want any other information and want to link up with all the other uh, podcasts on the network visit www.neonbloom.co.za and um that's it for me today thank you so much i love you and i'll see you all in next week's episode of growed up <laughs> <laughs>